Hello and welcome to the latest Red Robin Podcast Weekly with me, Chris Johnson, which is of course powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants. This week, I am delighted to be joined by Mikey Carter from Hulk AR Shirts and fellow Rover supporter Joe Withers, who is making his Red Robin Podcast debut. In this week's episode, we look back at the Robins' disappointing 42 points, eight home defeat at the hands of the Super League League leader, St. Helens. We make our predictions on who might line up for Rose on our troublesome right edge now that the club has confirmed that Brad Takarangi will be stood down from first-team action for the foreseeable future. And Robert Parkinson from Salford Podcast, Devil in the Detail, joins us to help preview our upcoming Super League Round 5 fixture against the Salford Red Devils at the AJ Bell Stadium on Friday night. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing? Evening. Yeah, not so bad, thanks. Joe, I'll, I'll come to you first, Joe. It's the yeah. first time on the podcast, mate. Just tells us about how long you've been supporting Rovers and, and tells a little bit about what your hopes was for this season with Hull Kingston Rovers. Um, been supporting them for, uh, I think, it's 20 years now. Uh, still remember my first game. It was uh, cold, snowing. It was when, I don't know if you remember, we played Lee and the floodlights um, went out at half-time. And the game got abandoned and then we um the return fixture when it got rearranged, we ended up beating them and I think a few Lee fans still haven't forgiven us for that. So Joe, yeah. that was your first game. That was what my made first you come game. back. Um <laughs> I don't really know to be fair. I must be a, a gluten for punishment. <laughs> uh, yeah, um yeah, so I think that's about twenty years now. So yeah. Um this season I was Hoping for a bit more consistency, really. Hopefully, push better than last year, but obviously, start hadn't really gone to plan, has it? No, it hasn't. Obviously, three defeats and one victory. Mikey, obviously, people will be familiar with uh, with you. Hopefully, with your the work you do with uh, Hull KR Shirts and of course the Heritage Trust. You've been down at every home game game so far at Craven Street, uh, showing off your your shirt collection. How's that been going? Yeah, it's been it's been going quite well, Chris. We've had some really good interaction and communication going on with some people down there. Uh, the weather did its best against St. Helens to try and put me off, but all we did was we uh, we up, raised the boot and we got the, the shirts on underneath there. So it was good to be able to still have those conversations. Uh, yeah, is there can't, any can't one bad weather night? And is there any shirts that are proving pop, more popular than others? Usually is the case with uh, with Rovers. It's uh, it's the nineteen eighties. Yeah. So I always try and take, take one of them with me every week so that somebody's got a little bit to look at. Because, yeah, there's always interest in the newer shirts, but a lot of times it does always go back to the 80s, which, you know, you can't blame people, really. Yeah, I've seen them shirts on the mannequin. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't got them chained up because I bet they're quite hot property. They, they probably are. But, like, if somebody's daft enough to mess with me, they're definitely not daft enough to mess with Keith <laughs> Pollard, so I'm all right. Yeah, and I can't imagine there's much of a black market either. You'd be pretty, Unless you're going to keep it for your own personal collection, you're not going to be able to re resell it somewhere, are you? No, this is it. You'd have to keep it very private. Yeah. So we're going to go on to uh, the St. Helens game uh, last Friday, which was played in, in, in you know pretty rubbish weather conditions. Before the uh, before we go into the lineup and the and the match, what was your expectations going into that game, Joe? Um, I wasn't going in it expecting to win, but I thought we could have pushed them a lot. Well, I thought we'd have given them a good game, but as for as poor as we was, I think you've just got to look back and give Saints all the credit, to be honest. They're unbelievable, aren't they? The, the line speed for the full 80 minutes, I've never seen a team move up that long for 80 minutes like that. It was unreal. So, yeah, I thought it would have been a lot closer, like, but you've got to give the Saints credit. Yeah, definitely. And and for anybody who is watching this, if you want to leave any comments or you want to tell us about how you thought Rovers performed, please leave your, your comments in the in the comment section and, and we'll read them out and uh, we'll respond to them. Mikey, how about you? What was your what was your hopes going into into the game? My my hopes quite simple, really. I just wanted a performance. I, I didn't expect to win. I didn't expect to necessarily even push them all the way, but just to perform. I think you know we throw back to twenty twenty one. Uh, we lost 25-0 to Saints, which you look at that scoreline and you're thinking, well, you know, it was all one-way traffic. But we, we put in a really good performance. They scored their points in very short bursts. Um, so I did kind of expect us to, to just put up a bit of a better fight. Um, I think a bad day at the office for us, that goes without saying. But I do think that because of how 
good the standard of the opposition was made Rovers' performance look a lot worse than what it maybe would have been. If we'd have been playing what any other team in Super League and we'd played like we did, we probably don't end up on as much of a hiding as we was due to the standard of St. Helens on the evening. Yeah, and, and and that's probably, you know, that's a really good point to make. And obviously the, the squad was hampered by a stomach bug that was going around and also a number of players still being out injured. But we lined up like this. We had Lachlan Coote who was making his return to the first team. He lined up at fullback. Ryan Hall out left, uh, partnered with Sean Kenny Dowell. Brata Karangi at centre and then Sam Wood on the right edge. John and Abdul and Mikey Lewis at halfback. Albert Vette lined up and started at prop. Matt Parcell was the starting hooker. And George King was the other prop. Dean Hadley, Frankie Holton were in the second row. And although the team sheet said Matty Stoughton, it was actually Elliot Minchella who came out um, at the start of the game. Stoughton lined up on the bench with Lytton, Sims and Dagger. Just before we start going into the match, obviously seeing Dagger line up on the bench, Mike, what was you thinking as soon as you saw him? Somebody was carrying a knock. Uh, yeah. Somebody maybe wasn't 100%. I feel like it, he, he was there for a reason. We know that he can cover various different positions. He was probably incredibly unlucky to be dropped, um, if you think about some of his performances that we've seen from him this year. Um, so, yeah, he, he was there as cover, and rightly or wrongly, he was needed, wasn't he? Yeah, and and regards to the performance, Joe, do you think it's a little bit disrespectful to, to Will Dagger that Tony Smith would rather put in a... You know, a 75, 80% fit Lachlan Coo and, and put Dagger on the bench, then he would, you know, put his confidence in Dagger and start him at fullback. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, if you look to obviously Coo played, was it the second game of the season? He wasn't fit for the first, was he? Is it the second game he played? Was it? Uh, anyway, when he, uh, when he played, I thought Rovers looked quite clunky. And I think we did again uh, the weekend. I think when Dagger plays, he charms. He knows the calls better at the minute, so he charms into the line better. And I think we look better in attack when Dagger's playing at the minute. I'm sure it'll come with Coot in time, but I think for the minute, while Dagger's playing well, why should you drop him just because of a big name? It's just, I don't think it's right personally. But Yeah, and we'll come on to that at the end. So it took just two minutes for St. Ellen to score with Rovers providing... Uh, some really poor defence, which results in uh, Matautia powering over the try line after latching onto a pretty routine pass close to the line. Tommy Makinson scores a kick, and after just a few minutes, it's 6-0 to St Helens. And we then start to see Lachlan Coote hobbling, which is probably a sign of things to come. And that is after, uh, before Brad Takarangi comes up with a bad error after he throws an impossible offload on tackle one after we have just been awarded two set restarts on the bounce. We see our first interchange of the game with Corbin Sims replacing Albert Vetti and then Conrad Hurrell is shown a yellow card for a very late hit on Jordan Abdul, which I think he does pretty well to get back up from. Matty Stoughton replaces George King on minute 19 before Rovers' chance there are um, on what are pretty difficult weather conditions. And then, finally, we start to see some attacking play from Rovers. Firstly, Ryan Hall is put into space on the left. He kicks ahead as the space is closed down and then the ball hits the Saints player and the goal, ball goes into touch 30 minutes out from the Saints touch line, uh, try line. Ryan Hall is then back in action with the England man scoring his first try of the season after Lachlan Coote throws out a delightful cut pass. Ryan Hall is too powerful for the St Helens defence with Hall getting the ball down over the try line before being bundled into touch. And it would have been very interesting to see what would have happened if that game was on TV with that try being scored. But nevertheless, it went in Rovers' favour. Jordan Abdul misses the kick after 25 minutes, and it's 6-4 to the Saints. Conrad Hurrell returns from his 10-minute layoff before Ab Abdul then makes a, a crazy mistake. He throws a forward pass just 30 minutes out from his own touchline. And that error is, of course, punished when Rovers... Also gift a set restart and on 28 minutes we see Jack Wellsby putting Tommy Makinson over in the court for an easy score. The resulting converted kick makes it 12-4 after 30 minutes and even though the scoreline might not have reflected it, it definitely looked like it was going to be a long, long night for Hulkingston Rovers. On the 34th minute, Lewis Dodd starts over the try line for his first try of the game. For him, after referee James Child shows Rovers no leeway whatsoever, whatsoever after giving repeat set restarts as the Robins try and slow the game down. 
And then on the 38th minute, the game looks done and dusted for Hulkingston Rovers. Firstly, Mikey Lewis spots some space and attempts to chip over over the Saints' defence when we're just 10 metres out from our own try line and on the first tackle. St Helens capitalised on a ball turnover in the subsequent set with Dodds beating Coote to get on the end of a Wellsby kick before Makinson scores a conversion, making the score 24 points to four in favour of the visitors at half-time. Mikey, I'll come to you. Did you feel the game was done and dusted at half-time? Yeah, definitely. I think that the, the two the two errors, the one from Abdul and one from Lewis in the first half, which were which were duly punished by Saints pretty shortly after. Um, they kind of took the wind the wind out of our sails a little bit. Uh, we, we've, we've been in games where we've gone quite far behind and then been able to sort of pull ourselves back into it, but not quite had enough. Um, and I just didn't quite see that happening again on uh, on Friday. And that's the point, isn't it, Joe? You know, you can make errors against some teams and they go unpunished, but when you're playing a team like St. Helens, you've got to be on the game. You've got to be on the money, you know, from minute one. And and unfortunately, in that first half, there was too many times where players were either over-trying, trying to make things happen, um, or they were just making crazy decisions that you'd, yeah. you'd never see them do in a, in a normal game. And, and that one from Michael Lewis, where he tries to chip over, I mean, <laughs> as much as we want to see that attacking flair and we want to see him trying them things there's a time and a place isn't they yeah, definitely you just took the words out of my mouth there's a time and a place i mean 10 meters out on your own line when was the score only six was only six behind at that point i think weren't we yeah. it's just criminal you're just gifting a team like saints you're just you're just gifting them points aren't you even like with the i didn't think the ref had an amazing game by that obviously you can't blame the ref but even just you're not helping yourselves by doing that it's just um like I said, just gifting him bad errors. Even tackle, going to go on to Takarangi, aren't we? But Takarangi making stupid offloads in places and stuff as well. There's, there's times and places, and I think you've got to earn the right to be able to play like that. And against a team like Saints, you're just going to end up on the back end of it. Yeah, and and uh, Joel Hopper says, um, I thought it was we were still in the game after half an hour, and it was a mad ten minutes before half time that killed us. Do you think that was the case, Mikey, or, or do you think you know there was a pattern? Those patterns of play in that first half that just showed that we weren't really at the races. There, there was patterns, but I can understand what what Joel's saying there. It was that that ten minutes is probably was the, the nail in the coffin, if that makes sense. So so early in the game, um, you just can't allow a team like St Helens to to score that many points. Uh, you look at the games that they'll win, and they'll win loads of games this year, scoring loads. Of, they're probably, what are they? It's the goal difference over 100 already. Sorry, already. the points. Yeah. Over 100 after four games, which is, you know, just ridiculous. Um, so you've got to defend well against a team like St. Helens to be able to win, because the chances are, if you're going to beat Saints, there's going to be less than 20 points in the game, and you're going to have to score two converted tries to win it. Yeah, that's right. And the, and the second half starts pretty much the same as the first. Matautier cuts back in on the angle and helps himself to a second try. Before Lachlan Coote is replaced by Will Dagger, and then to compound the misery, Jez Litton is Simbin for descent. Saints use a numerical advantage to score through Makinson, and then prop Alex Wormsley helps himself to a try in the 62nd minute after getting on the end of a Johnny Lomax punt. Man of the match, Frankie Holland helps himself to a well-deserved try after just set, with just seven minutes remaining after Ryan Hall pats the ball to Sean Kenny Dowell, who then offloads to Frankie. But the scoring isn't finished and fullback Tommy Makinson completes his hat-trick after Will Dagger makes a huge error when he fought, fails to deal with a kick into the dead ball area. That completes the scoring with St Helens running out 42 points to eight victors on a thoroughly depressing night at Craven Park. We've already spoke about how uh, errors can compound the, the misery and, you know, that Will Dagger on at the end, um, you know, whether it was like a concentration or whatever it was. But that was pretty much... Um, all the night went for Rovers, wasn't it, Joe? Summed it up, didn't it? Perfectly, exactly that. It just summed the night up. It was a night littered with errors and just defend that right edge, just defensively. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter who plays there. It just, it just don't work for some reason. Hopefully no. that'll change this week. <laughs> is that fair, Mike? I mean, we saw last season we had. Um, um, Crooks out on the right, didn't we? We had, you know, all kinds of combinations on the right edge, you know, and we pretty much started the this season the same as we ended last season, haven't we? Where in defence, you know, consistently that right edge 
whoever plays over there. And I think it's sometimes unfair to say it's just the centre and winger. I think the second row, I think Mikey Lewis, I think the whole the whole line just doesn't seem to be working. And and we're going to see another uh, partnership out on that right edge. But if you look if you look back on the tries and you look at the highlight reel, it doesn't look pretty on that right edge, does it, Mikey? No, um, I think when when you think back to last, I know we keep doing a lot of this, but when you look back to last season, the right edge was weak, but the left edge was that strong that we probably almost forced teams to go that way. So the way that we was playing on our left, if you're an opposition coach or player, you're almost targeting the opposite side because you're thinking we're going to struggle to go that way. And that's maybe where our downfalls come from. The left edge has been that strong that the right edge is sort of now having to take the flak for it. Uh, that's obviously carried over in, into this year. And as a fan base, we've maybe paid a little bit too much attention to that now. And we've kind of, we're highlighting it more and more week on week. Um, we've not really had a massive amount of consistency. Um, I'd hoped we had found that with, with Wood and Takarangi um, being in that, that partnership there. Um, obviously, the second row has kind of fluttered a little bit towards the start of this season. But yeah, just we need to just find some consistency on that right side and just hope that we can sort of level it out a bit. Yeah, and thanks for joining us tonight, Neil Jackson. He says sometimes we have to play boring rugby, and it's learning when to do it. I think I think he has a point to a certain extent with the weather conditions because they weren't very favourable, was they, for for chucking the ball around? And we saw that with some of the errors that that the players came up with. But is, is the is the case, Joe, that it's just not in our DNA to play to play safe rugby? That there's always going to be an element of risk and and. Unfortunately, when you play a team like St. Ellen's, we're going to be exposed when it doesn't come off. Yeah, I think, I think uh, especially on Friday, if we we like to use our edges, and I think if you watch Saints on Friday, their edge players shot up so fast that you couldn't get it to your edges. So he was having to play down the middle, and they're so strong down the middle, they just suffocate you. So I think on Friday that is that was the case, but I think against the I say lesser teams like. The teams we ideally we should be beating. There's no, I don't see the reason why we can't play that style of rugby. And even in these conditions, if if you're a professional rugby player, surely you've got the skills and ability to be able to play it in that sort of conditions. You'd have thought. Yeah, and hold that thought about teams that we should be beating because I'm going to bring that up when we uh, speak to Robert Gardner from the the Salford podcast, uh, and I'm going to pose him a, a similar question. But one thing that has been mentioned by a lot of people is the the line speed from Saints, you know, the speed that they attack, but also, like you just mentioned there, Joe, the speed they defend. And Adam Wadford has made the point, he says, we've also, in the first four games, looked unfit and very slow with the ball compared to the opposition. Um, you know, no doubt St. Ellen's are a, are a very fit team. Um, you know, they play the game at a very fast speed, but... Mikey, what, what have you made of our fitness levels over the past four games? Because I think there's been times where we have looked a bit sluggish and we haven't we haven't seemed to be, you know, hitting the heights that we'd expect. And and this is on the back of many players having a full pre-season. Yeah, I'd put it down to just a little bit of rust, really. But maybe I'm being a little bit too too generous. I don't know. Uh when you look at it, yeah, we we probably have been a little bit a little bit slow, but did we as fans put too much expectation on the on the team as well? You know, are we are we asking the right questions? Are we asking too much? I don't know. Um, it's a difficult one. Yeah, and I don't think that's the point, isn't it? And we, we talked about it in our our season uh, preview, the fans forum that we did, Mikey, about you know it's not necessarily about Ulkington Rovers because a lot of the other teams have improved, you know, a, a great deal on last season. And you look at the recruitment from from some teams, and we'll come on to that with about Salford, you know, look at some of the players that they've brought in. And there's no, there's definitely an argument to say that the teams um, who we're competing with at the moment have strengthened really well. And and the expectation levels around Ulkingston Rovers may be a little bit uh, unex, uh, unrealistic. I think what frustrates me and, and, you know, it's probably just put a bit of doom and gloom around Craven Park at the moment is that the, the performances haven't been there. So, yeah, I think we'll accept defeats. But, you know, you look at that Huddersfield game, uh, you look at the Wigan game, you know, St. Helens, and, and we just haven't seen the style of play that we're used to. And, you know, I, I asked you before we just came on air, Joe, do, do you think it's a case of we're just waiting for some better weather and when we get a harder pitch and the sun shines out, we're going to see a different Hull Kingston Rovers? Yeah, probably so. I mean, Tony Smith keeps mentioning it, doesn't he? 
when the weather gets better, we'll get better. But we're 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 in England. We're we're in all. You know, does the weather? <laughs> you know, is you're always going to get bad weather at times, and whether it's summer or not, that wind's always going to be blowing across the pitch. So you can't always say, "Oh, we'll be better." You've got to learn to play these conditions. And like I said before, with professional, the professional rugby players have got to be able to play in these conditions. Otherwise, you you're starting your season halfway through if you play summer rugby. Yeah, and that's a really good point to make. And although it was a disappointing for Rovers, wasn't it? Man of the match, Frankie Holton, uh, once again, once again showed some of the uh, supposedly bigger name players. Um, how to do it. How impressed was you, Mikey, with Frankie Holton's performance on, on Friday night? Yeah, I don't think you can just limit it to Friday either. I just this this season, you know, uh, not having a preseason uh, after picking up that, that niggle, missed the preseason games, um, to kind of get thrown straight in against Wigan off the bench. And, you know, his tackle record, has he missed one tackle um, out of X amount he's made? Um, Chris, I think you alluded to it before we went on air. Um, we probably should be focusing on some more uh, attacking prowess statistics rather than how many tackles a player has made. Um, but I don't think you can take anything away away from Frankie. Um, and hopefully his uh, his form continues on that uh, on Friday. Yeah, definitely. And um, was there anybody else who stood out from you on Friday night, um, Joe? Um. I uh, I thought Sean Kenny Dowell did quite well. I thought he had a. He was trying to get the team going at times, trying to yeah, think him. Um, I thought Parcel was all right as well. I just think our forwards just didn't get get a quick play of the ball to allow him and Jez to work off. And I think against, like I say, against Saints, you just you just got no chance. Yeah, and and you mentioned Sean Kenny Dowell there. A couple of stats for you. Um, Sean Kenny Dowell made fourteen carries. Um, Ryan Hall made fifteen. Unfortunately, a lot of them carries were coming out of defence, wasn't they? And, then, and one thing that I've noticed about our left edge, and, and it's why probably Sean Kenny Dowell and Ryan Hall got a little bit of criticism, is is that we just don't seem to be getting the ball to them uh, in the right areas, do we, Mikey? They seem to be starved of of possession when in, a, in an attacking position. Yeah, they've spent a lot more time probably with ball in hand in our own half than they have in the opposition so far, and that's on the wrong end of the pitch from what we'd, we'd like to be to be seeing them. Uh, that could come from the fact that, that you know we're maybe not getting the the pack down, uh, down getting us downfield quick enough. Uh, we're maybe starting our sets in in the wrong position. Maybe we're not making enough uh, or resisting. Sorry, the the other team to less meters in in their half as well, and we're starting each set on the back foot. Yeah, and I think maybe one of the reasons we're not seeing them get the ball in attacking positions, and I'd, I'd love to get the opinion of people who are, who are watching the stream now, so uh, please comment if, you, if you've got something to say. But Jordan Abdul doesn't seem to have been hitting the heights of last season just yet, does he? Jord, obviously the, the England squad was announced last week. Jordan Abdul was, was nowhere to be seen in there. Whether he's going to be featuring for the England Knights is... is um, you know, there's a question mark over there, but we definitely haven't seen the best of Jordan Abdul yet, have we? And, and he's definitely a player who can win a game on his own. What have you made of Jordan Abdul so far, Joe? Um, I'm not sure, to be fair. I just don't think we're using him as much as we did last season. I think a lot of the play last few weeks, obviously, since the season started, has gone down Michael Lewis's side. I don't think he's getting... He sometimes looks frustrated out on the field, I think. Like, he's not getting enough ball when he's calling for it or not. But even so, he's always... He said it himself. He's always struggled with inconsistencies in his game. It Often, he always starts the season slow. So, hopefully, give it a few more weeks. He might he might start hitting them straps again. But as, we keep, as I keep saying, the, the season started four weeks ago. You need to be on your ball straight away. Otherwise, you're playing catch-up. Yeah, and, and that's definitely the case, isn't it? And we're going to talk about the Salford game very soon. But, you know, the more games you lose, the, the, the more important the next game becomes. And I still don't think we're in a, in a situation yet where, every, you know, the next game's a, a must-win. But it is important, isn't it, that we're, um, we start to pick up results. At the moment, we're conceding, on average, 25 points a game. And, and if you're going to do well in Super League, Mikey, you just cannot afford to concede as many points as that every game, can you? No, and it's... It's it's no sort of it's no secret it's no magic formula that nobody really knows of. It's defense wins games. Uh, you know the, the, you've got obviously you've got to score tries, but 
if you can just keep keep hold of your defence, if you can limit the opposition to maybe one try a half, maybe two, you've got every chance of winning a game in the Super League. Um, it is just obviously much easier said than done. Yeah, and Neil Jackson, he said, didn't he, about playing boring rugby. And, and I think for the first 10, 15 minutes, at least, we need to be a bit more conservative in our approach. You know, we saw Mateltier score two tries, one uh, just after... Uh, the first, uh, the start of the first half, and then the same again, start of the second half, and and they're killers, aren't they? Because you know Tony Smith obviously has his talk, the the game plan um, that they talk about prior to the game. They're going to a huddle now, which is a new addition. You know, we've started going into a huddle, and obviously the the giving out the the pre match orders, and then to concede so early, it just almost flattens the place. And, and I do wonder if that is having an effect on the team that these early points, what we're conceding. He's, he's knocking the confidence so much that it makes it easy for the opposition to almost get a roll on us. And I think against Salford, Joe, we're definitely going to have to come out with traps a lot faster than what we've done so far, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. I think we need to, like I say, that the, the coach can only do so much. As soon as they step over that whitewash, they need to be on it. And like I said, that they should be fired up in that huddle. Kenny Dowell should be firing them up. If they, sh- they should be fired up already, but... To go out and then to concede in the first, was it first minute? I mean, that's just a killer. You want to be, you want to be like strong for the first, first 15, 20 minutes, keep them out and then tr- work your way into the game. And then you can try and post points yourself or earn the right to be on top. But gifting a team like Saints to try that early, you just, you're, you're setting the tone for the game, really. Yeah, and Mikey, the only other positive that I could come up with from that game was that Elliot Minchella got a few more minutes under his belt. Um, how have you? Uh, how have you viewed his performances so far? Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching watching him play. You think back to last year and you think how how we missed him and how well we played, and he didn't feature. Um, and I really think that he can be a, a big player for us um, for the rest of this season and beyond. I think he's somebody who. We almost want to be shaping a team around him. Uh, you know, people talk about Mike, Mikey Lewis being sort of like the one, and it, it would be very difficult to argue against that. But Elliot Manchella is in that conversation. People like him, people like Matty Staunton. We've got a lot of young English lads who we've got a really good coach with them at the minute. And if he can continue bringing them on, I think that there's a really, really good, bright future for some of the young guns at our club. Yeah. Um, and then compound to compound the misery, Joe. Um, Lachlan Coote hobbles off, doesn't he? We saw him hobbling yeah. in the first half, and then we see him um, go off, and Will, Will Dagger comes on to replace him. Um, for me, he's probably not been look, he's not looked fit. He definitely didn't look ready for that Wigan game. Um, do you think it's a case where he's been rushed rushed back from injury too soon? And, and do you yeah. think we should have maybe utilised either Dewsbury maybe to, to get a game under his belt? Or, or do you think that whenever he's fit, you know, or whenever he's, he's close to being fit, he should go straight into that first team? Yeah, I think I think if Will Dagger won't perform in, I think you've got to throw him in there. But the way Will Dagger's been playing, I don't, I don't see the risk. I think the way Dagger's playing, it, from what I've seen of Coote so far, I know he's been rusty because he hasn't played, he's had like intermittent games, but like... Dagger, Dagger's playing better, so why why should you be dropped? Just because, like I said before, he's he's a big name, but it's just a name on paper, isn't it? You've just got to, you've got to go with who's in form, and the way Dagger's playing, it's a risk throwing someone in with an hamstring injury, and look what's happened. He's gone and done it again. So Dagger will play, and then hopefully, like I said, I think I was uh, listening to Tony Smith's pre-match con- uh, press conference. He said he, he could. Maybe be persuaded, or Coot would try and persuade him to play, but there's no, there's no need to risk him when Dagger's playing quite well. So there's no need for me. Yeah, and he and he's not been named in the the squad for Friday night. Another player who's not been named in the squad is of course Brad Takarangi. What we're going to do is we'll preview the Salford game um, next, and then we'll talk about Brad Takarangi towards the end of the podcast. Uh, of course, Rovers travel across the AJ Bell Stadium on Friday night to take on Salford Red Devils side. It's a 7.45pm kickoff. The game's not being televised, so if you do want to watch it, the only way you can do it is by travelling over down the M62 on a Friday night, a journey that many of the Red Army will be familiar with. 
Um, and to help us preview the game, I'm delighted to be joined by Robert Parkinson, who's from the Devil in the Detail podcast. All right, boys. Hey, Robert, how are you doing? Um, we'll just give you a nice introduction. Um, of course, Rovers travel over to Salford on Friday night. But before we talk about that game, obviously, there's a, a changeover in the coaching uh, set up at Salford in the pre season. Paul Rowley came in, there's also a big turnover in players. Just tell us a little bit about uh, how Paul has been doing and, and how the squad's shaping up at the moment. Yeah, obviously, Paul Rowley came in for, for Richard Marshall. We've obviously had dealings with Paul Rowley before when he was at Lee and, and he was at Toronto, and them teams were quite aggressive. and, and I personally was kind of worried that we'd be, you know, down in games to 12 men, 11 men. But since he's come in, totally different to what I thought it was going to be. He's, he's produced a team uh, that likes to throw the ball about, um, you know, likes to, to score tries. And, it, and it's, it really is, when it does click, it's a joy to watch. Um, yeah, there's a lot, lot to go. Uh, season's just started, but obviously we've won two, lost two. Uh, and we're ready for the next challenge uh, come Friday. Yeah, and you obviously started off the season with a tremendous win at Castleford, didn't you? And then you follow that up with a effect eight points to twelve victory over Toulouse. You've then played two away games, forty-eight points to sixteen defeat at the hands of our our nearest uh, rivals, uh, and then a thirty-four points to two defeat against Ian Watson's Huddersfield Giants. Is that is it? Is it being a case of sort of uh, good and bad? You know, is it as simple as that, or or is have you seen enough in them first two uh, victories to suggest that the that um, the defeats are, are more of a blip? Yeah, the, the first two games, Cass was like an SAS job. It was in and out, uh, really professional. Uh, played some good rugby, uh, really mixed it up. Cass didn't really know how to deal with us, um, and it was a really good result. Then we took on to lose, like you said, at home in the middle of the uh, the two storms that came over Britain. Uh, really, you know, really ground out ground out that result. Uh, which was great, and we were two from two at that point, and we were we were thinking, here, here we go, we, we go to Hull. Uh, Luke Gale was suspended, so we were thinking three from three. Unfortunately, I went I went a bit pear shaped uh, at the uh, the Hull uh, Hull FC, and yeah, we had a player sin binned. Uh, Max Need went in the bin for ten minutes. They scored three tries in that period, and that saw the game out. And then uh, last week against Huddersfield, I don't know whether you guys have played Huddersfield yet, but they're a really really good side. Big squeeze, kick deep. Uh, and squeeze you, and we just were able to deal with that. Uh, yeah, we've got you know a very good set of backs, uh, but they've got a massive set of forwards, and we just weren't able to stop the roll, unfortunately. But I've seen enough in them first two games uh, to think that if we get decent ball uh, and decent position, we'll score tries. And if you know, when that's what good rugby teams do, they score tries, they win games. Yeah, and we have been on the end of a, a Huddersfield, uh, a Huddersfield uh, defeat, and, and there's no doubt that Huddersfield. Uh, uh, Setting the stall out pretty strongly season, aren't they? And um, obviously, you know, maybe it might not have been a bit of a, uh, too much of a shock to you after seeing what Ian Watson did with the with Salford, of course. Mm. You know, he's had a, his season there now, hasn't he? Where um, he's managed to get things, get the house in order, and now he's got a few more signings in. But yeah, Huddersfield are definitely looking very strong this season. Uh, so the squads were announced earlier today for Friday's fixture. Um, Rovers line up like this in the 21-man squad. We've got Sean Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, Jordan Abdul, Albert Vette, Matt Parcell, George King, Dean Hadley, Kane Lynette, Matty Stoughton, Jez Litton, Corbin Sims, Elliot Minchella, Jimmy Kinehorse returns, Will Dagger, Mikey Lewis, Rowan Milnes, Ethan Ryan, Sam Wood, Greg Richards, Tom Garrett and Frankie Holton. And the Salford squad is Ryan Brearley, Ken Seo, Tim Lafferty, uh, Joe Burgess, Brody Croft, Mark Sneed, Akwala, Andy Akers, Shane Wright, James Greenwood, Elijah Taylor, Danny Addy, King Vunny Yahweh, apologies for pronunciation, Ryan Lannan, Chris Akin, Jack Ormanroyd, Reese Williams, Matt Costello, Sam Luckley, Dean Cross, and Alex Meller. Missing from the Rovers squad is, of course, as we've already mentioned, Lachlan Coote and Brad Takarangi. It's too soon for Ben Crooks and Will Maher. And uh, although they are back in training and Tony Smith said that they won't be too far away. Um, and then for the Salford squad, Sam Luckley uh, replaces former Robin Greg Burke. And it's a, a squad that features six former Robins. Of course, Ryan Brearley, Ken Seo, James Greenwood, Danny Addy, Ryan Lannan and Chris Atkin have all lined up for the Robins. What do you make of the Salford squad first, Robert? 
yeah, Salford squad is is very impressive. We've got speed in the back division, uh, which is which is great. Obviously, again against teams, you need to be able to to outrun teams. Um, obviously, your half backs, the likes of uh, Max Need and Brody Croft, you know that's where the magic happens. Max Need, we all know what Max Need's all about. Super tactician. Brody Croft is speed. Uh, he knows where the line is. Is he? Has he got the same? Has he got? Speed of thought. That's the big question on my lips at the moment. Uh, but what I've seen so far, he has impressed me. King Bunny IIY's coming. I've uh, I didn't really know what he was all about before he before he turned up at Salford, but he's been our big biggest performer, I think, this season season so far, as well as Shane Wright. I think he's very, 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 very good. He's come from over from Australia. And uh, Elijah Taylor, captain, fantastic, tackles everything that moves. And I think every every good team has to have players like that to make a success of what what can they what what they can achieve. Um this Salford team, a lot of eight out of ten players, and we've got that sprinkling of class as well. You say you've got, like say Ryan Brayley used to play for yourselves. He has got he's a you know class act on his day, uh, a local you know supporter of Salford as well, which, which makes a massive difference because we're all behind him every week. And we're just kind of hoping obviously we can get back to winning ways after sort of two defeats, but not horrendous ones. Yeah, and uh Mike, I'm going to come to you. Salford lined up like this against Huddersfield. They had Ryan Brealy at fullback, Joe Burgess and Matty Costello, Dean Cross and Ken Seo, and then they had Croft and Sneed in the halfbacks. Uh, Greg Burke, Andy Ackers and King Bunyaya were up front, and then Ryan Lannan, Shane Wright, second row with Elijah Taylor at loose forward. Which of the names that that strike a bit of fear into you at the moment, Mikey? Ken Seo. <laughs> Straight out there. I think he's going to line up against Ryan Hall. Um, he, he's, he's, he's just got pace. He's got technique. He's got skill. We saw it for a couple of years. Um, if, if we hadn't have got relegated, would he have been, you know, would he have stuck around at Rovers for a little bit longer? Quite possibly. Um, but yeah, Ken Seo is one for me that, that definitely worries me. Um, Mark Schneid as well. Um, kicking game. Uh, Robert mentioned about him being a tactician. He's, he's kicking game. Not just his conversions, but his kicks in play as well. Um, scares the life out of me, I'll be honest. Yeah, Robert, and he's a name, of course, where we're very familiar with. We've seen what he can do. We're very close to, to what he has done in the past. How has he performed for Salford so far this season? Yeah, he's brilliant. He's been brilliant. Obviously, he played for us before uh, 2014. Uh, I think he left. He went to Castle. But before then, he was okay. Since he's come back, he showed, like you say, that that tactical now. Castle third, he kicked at the right time, kicked into space. And, and that's what teams need. They need someone around the pitch who can get the team round and get the team into places that do damage to opposition. And that's what he does. Uh, yeah, he's not blessed with it with a massive amount of pace, but he's, he's, he's so sharp and so quick in his, in his mind. And he got a fantastic uh, kicking ability as well. I'll tell you also a player you've got to watch out for as well uh, is Tim Lafay. You know, I've scored three tries in two games for Salford. Coming under the radar, he'll be if he's fit. He was out injured, I think, with a with a sort of a knee strain, I think, last week. But he's back in the squad this week, so he'll be a danger against you. And also, Dion Cross came in from Widnes last season, won their supporters Player of the Year. Pace to burn, came as a winger, but came in at cast in the centre, and he hasn't managed to lose his place since. Fantastic player. He gets ball, he'll score tries. Yeah, and you've been you've been great, Robert, at telling us where all your strengths are. But what, what about the weaknesses? <laughs> weaknesses for me, it's, you think that maybe the forward pack isn't as big as I'd like it to be. We've got a great set of backs, but if your forwards aren't going forward, you can't strike teams. Yes, we've got King Bunny Ayawa, who is a big, big forward. But the rest of the pack are grafters. They will run through walls for you, but they won't run over teams. And that's the, that's the difference. And that's the, the thing that really makes me think, can this Salford team get into that playoff spot and compete at the very top? Because the top teams have big forwards who can make metres. This team will run all day. It depends if they can run over the top of teams. That's, the, that's how they deal with teams doing that to them, is how we will go this season. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to bring you in. Obviously, uh, Takarangi has been stood down. He won't be featuring, so we're going to have a new partnership out on that right edge. Um, it could be, and I think a lot of fans are calling for it to be, Sam Wood partnering Ethan Ryan with Ethan Ryan returning to first-team action. Although I've heard some people suggest that uh, Kane Lynette could line up at centre with Wood out on the wing and even see a shift of, of Ryan Hall to centre, which I think would be completely... Uh, nonsense, yeah, but it looks like that Sam Wood and Ethan Ryan might be that that partnership. How do you expect them to go? Yeah, I think um, 
I think it'll be good. I think Sam Wood's got all the skills to be a centre. I know that is his preferred position, but I think he's got all the skills that Takarangi could possibly bring anyway. So I don't. And the four Takarangi is out was out of form before he got stood down. So I can't see Wood doing any worse at centre than Takarangi was doing anyway. And I think we saw when Ethan Ryan has played, he's very more than capable. Is I, I think if he was fit beginning of the season, he'd have started on the right wing anyway. And I don't see him losing his place if he take, when he gets into the team. No, and I think if Ethan Ryan does play, one thing that he will definitely bring to the team is pace, isn't it? And I think we've been yeah, somewhat definitely. lacking in that. And I think uh, Ryan Hall looks a yard slower, uh, you know, than what he did maybe last season. But if it is Sam Wood and Ethan Ryan playing, it looks like they'll line up Robert against Joe Burgess and Matty Costello, how they've been doing and and what could um, we expect from them? Matty Costello, I call him out, eight out of ten Costello, never lets us down. He's got he's got bigger names in front of him, but every time he gets an opportunity, he shines. And it's whether Paul Rowley continues with him in that centre position now that Tim Lafay is back. For me, I think he's he's certainly a you know a, a player that we should be looking to play, but obviously I'm not the coach and uh, we'll have to see that's what coaches do. They live and die by decisions and selections, don't they? So it is a big decision because we've got a lot of talent in that in that back uh, division. That's put players, that puts pressure on players as well because they got to perform because if they don't perform, they get shifted out and that's the important thing. It's uh, it's about producing performances and scoring tries. Yeah, and it's always good to get a, an opinion from afar of, of uh, how Hull Kingston Rovers are doing. Obviously, I've named the squad there. Um, which are the players that that put a bit of fear into you, Robert, ahead of Friday night? Well, uh, obviously Ryan Ryan Hall, proven try scorer uh, for you know for, for throughout his career. If he gets ball, he'll score tries, won't he? So we've got to make sure that we keep him uh, under wraps. You know, it, it's all about supplying him. I for me, obviously, you said didn't you say Coop was out? Yeah, Lachlan Coop's out, and he'll be replaced by Will Dagger. Right, so obviously Coop would have been a, a major danger, but that's good. Obviously, if for throws anyway that he's out, not for you. But we'll have to wait and see. I suppose you'll bring a, a lot down to to the AJ Bell on Friday. You'll roll the lads on, and uh, it'll be a good game. Yeah, and and for me, you know, I had a quick look at the uh, the betting odds before we came on, and and the bookies have got us pretty much at evens. Um, yeah, even the handicap is at zero yeah. with, with some bookies. So you know, obviously they they can't call it. And and for me, I think we look pretty. Pretty even in the forwards. I think our wingers and fullback, you know, you could argue on the night are going to be uh, pretty even. And I think it'll come down to a battle of the halfbacks. I think Jordan Abdul, Mikey Lewis versus Brody Croft and Mark Sneed. And would it be fair to say, uh, Robert, that if if Rob Brody Croft and Mark Sneed play well, Salford play well, and if they don't have a good game, then then there's not much else after that. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we have got talent other way, other way, other areas. But like I say, Mark Sneed and Brody Croft are, are, you know, the people who pull the pull the levers, as it were. So if they have a good game, then obviously they'll get Salford going in the right direction, and that'll uh, that'll obviously do some damage on Friday night. But yeah, we're we're all looking forward to it down here in Salford. I'm sure it's going to be a great game. Uh, you know what? I do have a sort of bit of soft spot for Hull Keys Rovers. I think they're a, you know a similar club to Salford. Uh, you know they play some good rugby. Uh, you know fans are really passionate. Uh, and it's you know it's will be a great great contest uh, come Friday night, which is nice to hear of course because after that million pound game there seems to have been a bit yeah. of bad blood between the two sets of supporters, doesn't they? Um, although I think it's mostly played out over social media rather than actually in person. But yeah, well, yeah, do you know what? Where <laughs> it, it's just etched in our our memories for, forever. I don't think we'll ever forget about it. Although. Probably the less we talk about it, it'll probably be the better. But Mikey, you know, we just talked about how disappointing we was against St Helens. If we are to get a result against Salford, where are we going to have to really improve on? Uh, Half, I think. Uh, we look at this season, four games in, we've scored eleven tries. I think um, it's not enough to be. It's not enough to be winning games week in week out. That um, yes, the pack are going to need to to make some really, really good space for the Haas to be able to play off the back of that. But I think if we can get Lewis and Abdul playing with the form that they had last season, then uh, that'll put us in good stead. Yeah, and Joe, I'm just going to give you my lineup uh, in the yeah. forwards and, and and see if you agree on or if you'd change anyone. So I've gone George King and Matty Staunton starting props with Matty Parcel at hooker. Kane Lynette and Frankie Holton at second row with uh, Elliot Minchella loose forward. And then on the bench, I've gone for Jez Litton, 
Corbin Sims, Albert Vette and Tom Garrett, of course. Hadley played against St. Helens, but for me, I think he's the one who drops out, uh, uh, one of the forwards who drops out. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that as well, to be fair. I think Frankie Alton on that right edge, I think he'd give us some solidity down that side. I think uh, he's, he tackles everything, doesn't he? He's an absolute machine. Um, Kane Lynette back, that's a big boost. I think we missed him last week. Um, and Minchella just, he, he like gels everything together, doesn't he? He's a ball player, he can run the ball, he tackles, you know, he's, he's, he's what you want as a 13. He's like a Kevin Sinfield back in the day, isn't he? He, just, he can do everything. So, yeah, I think uh, I'd pretty much go with exactly the same as you. Yeah. And Robert, I, I, I always put people on the spot. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask you, obviously your predictions for the game, the bookies can't call it. Can you? Uh, I'm going to go 1918 Salford. Oh yeah. Well, well, there's only one player in the Mikey who's going to, who's going to score that drop goal. Yeah. We've had some, uh, some drop. I've, I've had, I was looking at some stats this afternoon and there's quite a bit of uh, drop goal history, isn't there between, yeah. between Hulkar and Salford. There was the, the final game of the 2019 season. Um, where it was Chris Naninu. Yeah. Um, yeah, kick, they'll kick the drop goal. Luckily, at that point, we, we were safe because yeah. Wakefield had done the job on London. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously we had the, the million pound game as well. So, uh, I think if you look at the Mark Schneid stats over the years, predominantly for Hull FC, he's kicked a lot of drop goals. If it's a close game, you know, it, it, if, if it's going to happen, it'll happen, won't it? Let's face it. Uh, we just need to make sure it's not a close game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, well, that's the hope, isn't it? That actually, you know, drop goals almost irrelevant, isn't it? Because we're that far in front. But I do think it'll be an extremely close game. And I do think even, I think it'll go into that last 10 minutes and it'll be an either or, really. I think, you know, one error could compound it um, for, for either side. But Robert, just for the, the Travelling Rovers fans who are, who are heading down the M62, just give us, where, where can people get a beer at the ground? Where can, where can they park? Uh, well, there's a big, big car park at the stadium. Yeah, uh, you can park at um, Salford City Roosters Ground, which is just before the the roundabout. Um, you can Google it. I'm not got the the postcode on yeah. me. They, they've got a, a nice new clubhouse uh, with, with where you can get beers in there. Um, yeah, there's a big tent as well outside. Uh, it's you know Salford's match day experiences got better and better through the years. Uh, Paul King, the, the the director, has really put his uh, you know arm uh, up when it comes to making the game day experiences better. I know you've got a like a, a game day experience going on as well, haven't you? Behind one of your posts, I think, haven't you? Uh, which is which is exciting. So uh, we're kind of building that at our end, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be we'll be you know a lot of fans come out on Friday. You'll bring a few, and we'll have a we'll have a good atmosphere on on at the AJ Bell, uh, and uh, you know make the best team win as long as they're, they're in red. <laughs> Mikey, yeah, that Mike. You might see Mikey's got a a, a great kit collection there. So, oh. um, but yeah, Robert, just before you go, um, could this be the last time that we see Rovers play at the AJ Bell Stadium? Yeah, possibly. Uh, there's talk about Salford going to Moor Lane, which is Salford uh, City FC's ground. Uh, it's a nice little ground. It's, it's like it holds five thousand people. Um, we've spoke to the RFL, and they've they've kind of like given us the ideas and what they need to do to make the ground uh, sort of pass the Super League uh, requirements. It is like a mini Willows. Did you all come down that the Willows when we played there? Yeah, yeah, yeah a bit like that. Yeah. Uh, a bit old school. Roofs are a bit low. Atmosphere will be fantastic, uh, especially obviously if, if we only get five thousand, it will look full. So it'll be a, a great cracking atmosphere. AJ Bell is great. It's a modern style stadium, uh, but it is a bit too big uh, for us, unfortunately. But we've had we've had some good memories there. We've developed as a club there, uh, and we're ready to go on to the next chapter. If that is more lane in the next sort of twelve months. Yeah, well, Robert, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we can catch up a bit later on in the season when uh, Salford obviously met the return journey to, to Craven Park. But, but for now, we'll take care, Robert, and, and let's hope for a cracking game on Friday night. Brilliant. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Robert. Cheers. Yeah, so very interesting, isn't it? Obviously, he's he's done a good job there, bigging up all the players. I wouldn't necessarily agree that the... You know, some of them players are as 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 good as what they said because I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how they perform on the back of two pretty, you know, bad defeats that they've suffered. Um, but for me, I do think it is going to come down to to that battle in the halves, Abdul and Lewis versus uh, Brody Croft and Mark Snead. and and Mark Snead, Joe, he does have the ability to kick a team to death, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he seems to bring his kicking game when he plays us as well, doesn't he? So uh, <laughs> I think I think it it'll come down to our halves will outplay theirs if our forwards can create the space for our halves to do the job. If the forwards don't lay that platform, then any team's going to struggle. So I think it's going to be won in the forward battle personally than the halves. But whoever's forward battle wins, the halves are going to get to play off the back of Hartley. And if we give Sneed time with a ball in hand, he will kick us to death. And like we've said previous, we spend so much time coming out of our own backfield than we do on their line. And hopefully this Friday it'll change. Yeah, and Mikey, you know, it is our strongest forward lineup, isn't it? We, you know, you got George King, Matty Starton, uh, Corbin Sims, Albert Vette, Tom Garrett, Holton, Lynette, Minchella, uh, Hadley. Who who misses out for you on in in uh, out of all of them? Uh, well, it's probably easier for me to tell you what I've written down because yeah, uh, I'm out, so, uh, what I've done for the forward pack is I've gone with starting props as Vette and King uh, with Parcel. Second row, partnership of uh, Frankie Holton and Kane Lynette with Elliot Minchella um, at loose. And then on my bench, I've gone for Stoughton, Litton, Sims. And then I've thrown a little bit of a curveball in there of Rowan Milnes, um, even though obviously he's not a forward. Um, I just feel like Tony Smith likes this fourth bench spot to be a little bit of a, a wild card entry where you never quite know why. Or th- there's a reason why they're there, should I say, but we never know quite why. Um and I just think that, you know, Rowan had a run out for Dewsbury uh, last weekend and it could just maybe spice things up a little bit if our halves are struggling. Yeah, and he wasn't the only player who lined up for Dewsbury, was he? Because obviously Will Ma- Ma- uh, Will Mark made his return and PLT also played for Dewsbury. Uh, I think Dewsbury got a bit of a thumping, didn't they, that day? But Rowan Milne's probably scored the, the try of the game. Um, Joe, is it too early to go really radical and maybe drop one of the halves to fit Rowan Milne's in? Maybe, maybe, maybe a game or two early. I'd suggest. I think they're still trying to. Uh, I can't even. You can't even say gel together, can you? Because they played together last season. Um, I just think there's still some rust there. I think Michael Lewis has shown glimpses of his individual talent. I don't think him and last season. I don't think him and. Abdul linked together as well as him and Rowan Milnes did when Milnes was uh, Abdul and Rowan Milnes did when they was together in the side. So maybe 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 give Milnes a go and see see how it goes, and then you're keeping him on the toes, aren't you? You're making him play for the place, really. Yeah, and that's one thing that you know we don't want players to become as comfortable, is it? And and yeah, why you've got players like Rowan Milnes, you know. And I'm sure did did Abdul get dropped last season, Mikey? I'm sure. My my memory might be wrong, but I'm sure Abdul got dropped uh, and Milnes got put in, and then and I think that was maybe a bit of a kick up the backside for Abdul uh, because there is a bit of sometimes complacency that can filter into to players when they they know that they're almost guaranteed a, a starting spot. But it'd be very interesting to see if Roy Milnes does line up on the on the um, on the interchange bench because um, I suppose he could play a couple of positions if he does come on. Yeah, Rowan Mills, obviously, as we know, can play a couple of uh, different positions. Um, Jordan Abdul actually played in the centres for a game in 2020, I think, when we travelled to Catalan. Um, I'm sure he played in the centre that day. Um, or if it wasn't that game, it was a different game. I'm sure he definitely played a game in the centres, did Abdul, which then obviously allowed uh, two other halfbacks to play in that position. Um, we've had the op- the option of um, playing Abdul at loose forward, which has been something that the fans have been kind of trying to talk into existence for quite a while now. Um, Abdul's style of play possibly suits a loose forward position maybe more than it does uh, starting of, uh, as, as, as a, a standoff. Sorry, um, so th- there is different options there. Um, obviously, we've there's people have been speaking about Rowan Milnes and uh, people are saying that centres are a very good position for Rowan Milnes as well. So there's all sorts of different options and combinations that we could see heading into Friday's fixture. Yeah, and Craig Esperit says um, he'd definitely have Garrett coming in. Uh, Garrett makes my lineup, but um, it'd be very interesting because we've seen we've seen obviously Garrett come in. You know he's performed okay. Um, he, hadn't, he hadn't been amazing, uh, but I suppose what you've got to do with these players, you know, and we've seen Frankie Holton take advantage of that. He's he's, he's give them the opportunity and see what they can do. Um, but what? Frankie, uh, what Tom Garrett definitely does is add competition for places, doesn't it? And and it is going to be really interesting to see how we line up on Friday night. And like we've already said, one player who definitely isn't featuring is Brad Takarangi. 
obviously well-documented court case going on at the moment. Um, and then he played the St. Helens game. Many fans were calling whether he should have been stood down um, and whether he should have been playing against St. Helens. Um, Tony Smith said yesterday that he will not be featuring for Rovers again until the uh, at least uh, the conclusion of his court case. This is what Tony Smith had to say when asked about Brad Takarangi. He said, we as a club have decided to stand him down until he's hearing. We felt we needed to do something there and recognise the situation that Brad is in and make sure we do the best by him as well. Sometimes that's by removing people from situations where they may not be able to fulfil to their best as well. Brad understands he's not shying away from his responsibility of it. That case is scheduled for around the 31st, which is a call 31st this month. So he'll be stood down until the hearing is heard. And then when he was asked about what sparked the decision, he, Tony Smith said, we found it was time to talk about it in the right sort of circumstance. We're very conscious of player welfare and player well-being and the role that the press can play in that as well. If too many questions are asked, we have to consider how that can make people feel and how it can influence people within the community. All those things are taken into account as to why decisions are made. There are all sorts of things that went into the decision-making of it. Some of that is pressure from the outside, but also from individuals from within who feel that it's the right thing to do. That's fine. Both Brad and I support that and support the decision. We're happy to adhere to it. And then asked when how we'd been coping mentally over the past week, Tony Smith said, it's been tough, real tough. This is his life and it's been turned on its head through some of his own actions. We're yet to see how long and how much he pays for those bad actions. That's worrying. If he was a serial offender or somebody who does things on a regular basis, sometimes having a brain explosion, how much damage they do depends. It can be a minute's difference sometimes that can make somebody find out about it or not find out about it. Unfortunately, Brad is fairly public. Uh, Brad is fairly public, and he's doing it tough. Now, obviously, we know um, you know what's been alleged. Um, Brad Takarangi's admitted to it. He's obviously going to court to receive his sentence at the end of the month. Joe, was you surprised to see him line up against St Helens? And, and do you think he should have been stood down earlier? Yeah, I was surprised because I think it was the day before the Saints game, was it not? His hearing, or was it on the Wednesday? I think it was the Thursday, was it not? Yeah. Um, who's who's going to be in the right frame of mind to go play a game of rugby the day after they've been told they could potentially be facing jail? <laughs> I think, yeah. I think again, you can't afford any passengers against a team like St. Helens. And I think, judging by his stats of four carries and four tackles, that's pretty much what he was for the game. So I, I think he maybe should have been stood down. Um, I know there was a lot of people on social media asked, well, or talking about him getting the sack. But I think the club would have known what he did as soon as, you know, it became public he'd been arrested. The club would have known exactly the circumstances of what happened. So if they didn't sack him then, I don't think they're going to sack him now, to be honest. But I do think he should have been stood down before the Saints game. No. And and Mikey, regardless of the court case, what, what have you made of Brad Takarangi's performances in 2022 so far? Yeah, he's not, he's not really got going. Um, Obviously, he's had, he's had th things on his mind. Should he have been playing? Probably not. I, I was surprised when I saw the lineup and I saw that he was lining up against Saints. That one, it did surprise me that he was uh, that he was featuring. Um, I, I think his situation obviously hasn't helped, but I'd like to think that his transparency with the club has maybe helped him with the club, um, maybe more than anything else. Yeah. Although it does seem he was pretty much banged to rights by, by all accounts, by what happened. But what I would say is that it's very interesting that Tony Smith said last week that he would continue to pick Brad Takarangi until he was told uh, otherwise that he couldn't. Obviously, um, someone behind the scenes, someone at the club has, has decided that he should be taken out the firing line, um, probably for his own for his own benefit. And, and ultimately, I think it might be for the team's benefit as well, because... There's no doubt it's been probably a bit of an elephant in the room in terms of at training and within the camp. And um, I think it had been very interesting to see what would have happened if Brad Takarangi had been having a fantastic season and he'd been playing really well. But he hasn't, as a Joe. And, and the yeah. fact he's been playing so poorly has obviously led to a lot of people um, say that he should have been stood down earlier than what he was. Um do you think Rovers will be able to move on from this and, and actually that Rovers might end up coming out with this a bit better by having uh, a new right-back, uh, right-wing partnership? Yeah, I've, 
Personally, I don't think he's warranted his place in the team based on form anyway at the moment. I think, um, like I said earlier, Sam, Sam Wood, from what I've seen, I know I know he had a mare against Wigan, but him against Castleford, he was he was unreal. He's got the skills to be able to full, fulfil that spot. And I think Frankie Alton inside him as well. I think Takarang is very lazy, if I'm honest. I think... Uh, compounded that for me. I think it was about 60 minutes in. Tommy Makinson took a tackle. There was two men in the tackle and he offloaded it. As he offloaded it, Takarangi came in over the top as a third man. The ball had already gone to me. It was making an easy decision to go in as a third man because he didn't want to have to chase back. It made it look like he was trying, but to me, one. But maybe that. I just think he hasn't looked right. He was on his own. She's in the first half. He's just, I don't know. At the minute, I don't think he's justifying his place in the team, regardless whether he's what he's doing or what he hasn't. So I think um, I think it might do Rovers. I think we might be better on that right edge without him in there, if I'm honest. Yeah, and is, is Sam Wood and Ethan Ryan, is that the only combination possible, Mikey? Or, or can you see somebody else maybe lining up on that right edge? It's definitely not the only um, combination. It's the combination that I would go with. I, I feel like that Sam Wood is possibly more built as as a centre than a winger. I, I think um, the the Castleford game when he switched into second row for a little bit, um, some of his drives that you know, and um, pardon the pun, but the drive that he was going with as well was was really strong. And I felt like, God, you know, is this guy could he could he play in the second row? Could we be seeing him moving more in field? So I would actually be welcoming that with open arms. The welcome addition to some pace on that right wing through Ethan Ryan. When you think of what games he has played, he scored some fantastic tries. Never really let us down. I think back to the moment against Huddersfield when we got our first win in 2021, when he just grabbed that ball in the final minute to stop Huddersfield scoring in the corner. He's rarely let us down. But the one thing that I would have to question a little bit is his match fitness. Um he, he has picked up the odd little injury when he's been playing and it's going to be a case of for him now, he's just building some consistency and hoping that he can keep these uh, them wrists pretty solid. Yeah, and I suppose that's the dilemma Tony Smith faces at the moment, isn't it? Do we do we try and sort of pack that right edge out and make us defensively strong? Obviously, bringing someone Ethan Ryan in, as, as, as you know, obviously he can defend, but obviously he brings a lot more attacking flair to that team and and, and for all that attacking flair, you maybe lose a bit of defence. So it's going to be really interesting to see how we line up. And there's no doubt that Tony Smith, you know, he likes to play a wild card every now and again, doesn't he? So um, it'd be really, really interesting to to see how we do line up on Friday night. But I just hope with the Brad Takarangi situation, obviously, you know, the, the, the club are protecting the player. Tony Smith's very big on that and, and quite rightly so. You know, the... the the result of the court case, etc., the sentencing will be what it is. But I just hope the club take into account the feelings and the opinions of the fans when any decisions made, because I think we're all we're all stakeholders in the game. I think we're all stakeholders in Oakington Rovers, and and um, what whatever has happened and, and whatever the outcome is, it's um, it's probably left a bit of a sour taste in everybody's mouth. So hopefully we'll get some resolution to it very soon, and and as a club and as a team we can move on from it because. Um, we didn't bring it to our door. We don't want this, and and, and the team certainly don't. So hopefully it'll be ended very soon. So um, I'm just going to wrap up with your predictions for the, for the Salford game. Obviously, um, you know our our good friend from Salford thinks that they're gonna gonna win. But what? How how confident are you to Firstly, you, John, then you, Mike. That that Rovers going to come away with a victory. Um, I'm gonna go Rovers by eight. I think it'll be a tight game. I think. Um... Yeah, it could come down to like I say. I think it'll be won and lost in the forward pack, but I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick my neck on the line and go for a Rovers win by eight. And you, Mikey? Yeah, believe it or not, I was thinking Rovers by eight as well. Um, and I was in an hour. Do, do I say something different just to say something different? But no, I'm, I'm gonna go with it because that, that's genuine what I thought. Rovers by eight. I did a little bit of uh, bit of studying this afternoon on some stats, and in the last ten games against Salford, we've won five, lost five. So that tells you how close it's going to be. But the, the one the one stat that I found quite interesting was that we played 10 games at the uh, the new stadium in Salford, the AJ Bell. Uh, won three, lost six, drawn one. So it's not somewhere where we're necessarily um, fruitful in, in terms of picking up victories. But just to make it a little bit shirt-related, um, of the three games that we've won, we've, we've played in an away shirt. And we don't often play um, 
too well in an away shirt. We do struggle to pick up points in away shirts, but in 2012, we played in the away shirt and won. 2016, we played in the away shirt and won. And in 2019, in the Challenge Cup, we played in the away shirt and won. Um, and we're playing in the away shirt again um, this, this this time. So, fingers crossed there. Fingers crossed as well, Mikey. And and you've got any other updates from Hull Car Shirts or, or any of the work that you're doing with the Heritage Trust at the moment? Continuing with, with, with things on a match day. Um, doing the, the the Craven Street. Um, obviously, I'm still working with the the community trust and doing the heritage evenings. Um, we've got another heritage evening on the final Wednesday of this month, so looking forward to that. It's always good to to listen to to past stories and things from experts such as Roger Pugh, uh, Keith Pollard, and Brian Leeson. We've got a really really good uh, wealth of knowledge there. So if you are interested in learning more about Rovers' history and its past. It's the uh, the final Wednesday of each month in the uh, in the North Stand at Craven Park. Excellent, and of course, for those who didn't know, it was International Women's Day yesterday. And the club earlier uh, in the week released the fixtures for the Hull KR women's side. They're going to kick off the season with a uh, four-game Women's League Cup against Outland Raiders, uh, Stanningley, uh, Illingworth, and Oral St James. Before they then take on. Um, the Salford Red Devils, newly formed women team in round three. Jules will be more ladies. And then the Derby, which is going to be in round seven, which I think is scheduled to be at Craven Park. So I'm sure you'll all, all join me in wishing the uh, the women's side the best of luck in the upcoming season. It's sure going to be uh, a, a great battle for, for the women to see how they do, especially after getting promotion last season. And of course, who doesn't love a Derby and, and getting bragging rights? So I'm sure there'll be pl- plenty of people who get down to Craven Park for that game. And then, of course, Rovers have announced a, a ticket deal for all season ticket holders where I think you can get six tickets for a pound if you, you remember. I saw the club had tweeted earlier to, uh, this evening that there's less than a 1,000 tickets available for season ticket holders. So if you've not yet taken advantage of that that offer, um, I think everybody should have received an email about it. Check your emails and if not, get in touch with the club because we definitely want to pack out uh, Craven Park for that game on the April the 1st against Warrington Wolves. It's sure going to be uh, a great night there, I'm sure. But that's a, a great uh, end to the podcast, lads. Really thank you to you, Joe, for, for joining us. It's been a, a great yes, yes. day you. Really appreciate it. And to you, Mikey, of course. Um, it's been a, a really good insight. And, of course, you had to bring it back to shirts at the end. And, and if it was a, a, a competition based on shirts, I'm sure Rovers would win every week. But this has been the Red Robin Podcast Weekly, of course, brought to you by 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Ties Auto Centre. I've been Chris Johnson, joined by Joe, Mike, and, of course, uh, our friend from Salford. Um, let's hope for Rovers' victory on Friday. And remember, live, love, laugh and be happy. Thank <laughs> you.